So I just want to get your take uh, on, on the landscape as you see it today. Today, where we are, who are the buyers? Uh, and then what, what are the trends you see uh, as far as the buyer mix and the practice models five, 10 years out? That's really the context. So you, cool. let's, start, let's start there and then we'll just, just spend a few minutes just talking about that. So, I mean, so I'll tell you what we teach clients. And first is that, you know, most businesses don't start planning soon enough their exit soon enough. And I think you plan it the day you build the business. Yep. So, uh, you know, if you look at the number of small businesses in this country, that'll still be around in a hundred years, it's like zero. <laughs> right. So, but so if that's true, then why don't we start from day one with how will we exit? And um, so basic principles, number one, you've got to think from day one, if you haven't, then you, you, you need at least two to three years. I think if you say, if you said, I'm going to sell and you want to do that anytime sooner than three years from now, smart buyers like me are going to sense that and we're going to take advantage of it. Mm -hmm. And we're, if you try to rush it, we're going to lower the price on you. Yep. And so what that means is you've got two or three years of really solid financials where you have taken all that fat of your country club membership and your car and your wife's car, all that stuff that is fine. I mean, do that as long as you can, but when you're ready to sell, that's all got to come out and you got to show maximum profit. And if you won't do that, then I recommend you start now and then sell it three years from now and not right now. Um, other mistakes we see is they, they haven't actually prepped the assets for sale. So we'll see doctors who don't know and can't get access to their URL. They don't know who owns that domain. They don't know how to switch over phone numbers. They don't, I mean, they've got independent contractors that don't have non-competes signed. They've got employees that don't have contracts. They've got office, they've got profit sharing plans and bonus plans that aren't prepped. And a lot of them go, oh, I forgot I had a, a loan on that comb beam. You know, they've got, they've got equipment loans and they've got leases and they've got, you know, they've got negotiations with a lab that has never been put in writing and all that's going to be discovered in due diligence. So you got to prep all the assets to sell. So those kind of some basic things we talk to our clients about is give yourself a lot more time than you think you need to make sure it's actually ready to sell. And then as far as your big questions on who are the active players, I mean, right now still private equity has a, has a good interest in us. A lot of our clients are freaking out with the potential of a new recession saying, well, that, will those deals go down? I think, I think you actually get a stronger deal. There will be fewer of them, but there'll be stronger deals because I mean, capital is going to have nowhere to go if the stock market tanks. They're going to they're going to they're going to rush into a few equities that are safe, and I think they're going to continue to have uh, good opportunities because a lot of dentists just don't want to run their practices anymore. So I think though, in five or ten years, the major players are going to be hospitals, uh, and the major players uh, will be uh, large larger DSOs like Heartland, Comfort, Pacific Dental. I think you're going to see more and more group practices. So. Um, my advice to clients who are doing less than a couple million bucks in net income is to consider, consider alternative exit strategies than selling because they think they're gonna get this big nest egg mm -hmm. and they don't. So, you know, they've worked their whole life and they're the only doctor in the practice and they're doing two to $3 million in gross revenue and they're offered two to 3 million to sell it by the time the government takes half of it. That's not a nest egg. That's just a nice bonus check. Right. Uh, so the, the doctors we see selling for 10, 11, 12, 13 million or more are taking home two to $3 million in net income. And it can be run without 
that person being present. So their associate run practices, their marketing driven practices, those are the ones selling for a true forward multiple right now. And I think that'll be true for the next three to five years. Um, that's kind of my, it's kind of what we're seeing. You know, I don't think you need a practice broker, by the way, to structure these if you know what you're doing. I think you can save that money and, and put it somewhere useful. Still, still need somebody on your team that can help you with structure contracts and agreements. I mean, yes, yeah, broker, yeah, yeah. You need a you need a good legal team. You need a good financial team. Uh, I do not think you need to pay some dentist who used to be a dentist who now takes a Microsoft Word document and does file print with your name on it and the seller's name on it and charges you ten percent of the sale of the practice. I think that's um, I think that's excessive. But uh, certainly a good attorney who knows how to do buy sell agreements. Uh, and I think a good CPA that knows how to do due diligence, uh, whether you're acquiring or selling, you know, listen, it's all, it's all, it's all up for negotiation. And if you don't like the deal, you should be willing to walk away from it. You know? Associate driven, market driven. Um, it seems to me, but you have more experience because you, you do, you, you obviously, you've obviously put this model together. But I look at you, Dustin, and a few others as, as really outliers. I mean, I mean, it's not just patronizing. It's just, it's just, you know, you're different. Um, and how many people are like you, or you could, we could pick out, you know, a handful of other people in, in industries that, that, are, that are similar makeup. How many of your clients uh, that you work with are really have the, the capability to do what you've done and a few others have done and do it well? Yeah, of our clients, a uh, fair number, but of the profession, probably five or 10%. It's a small, small number. Yeah, yeah. So, so there's a, there's a certain, certain revenue number that, that banks will lend to, right? For whether it's ortho or dental office uh, for a, a, a single buyer. I mean, there's just, there's, there, there's a, there's a box there uh, that's going to limit that, uh, that particular purchase. Is that, what, 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 what do you see that as being today in general terms? What, what's uh, that number? What's for, that? For most, yeah, million and a half through the bank and maybe another million and a half through the practice. So not enough to do what private equity is doing. Uh, you know, and no more than 1.2 times uh, positive cash flow. So if you're, if you're netting two or 3 million and you think you're going to go get more than three and a half, 4 million from a bank for anything, you're just delusional. It's just not going to happen. So, you know, I would highly recommend clients who really have a bigger vision, go meet with their own private equity people, go, go get some people in town that own, like in, in my example, the guy that owns real estate, guy that owns a car lot and a guy who's a owns a successful law firm and, and get some money and put it together that way and give, give them 10% on their money. Uh, you know, you could be the bank. And um, as you, you obviously know, That's I think right. it's, I think employee stock ownership is underutilized. And I think Jeff Bezos just shine a big spotlight on it. That's how they, they, they avoided $11 billion in profit taxes is they gave $11 billion in shares to their employees. I think that's a unique option if you wanted to step away and still take an income out of the business being its leader and marketer, but avoiding a lot of taxes. I think that combined with captive insurance, there's a lot of things out there now that I think are, are not being um, leveraged. I think just this, luckily there's more and more people going, hey, I get it. If, I, if I'm not on the hamster wheel, I'm screwed. If I injure my back, if I, if I have to take off work for any reason, um, I'm in a job I can't quit. And uh, so I think there's more people thinking that way, but to your point, probably 10% that are actually in that, in that range that are, that are attractive to be acquired. Uh, the future for solo practices, dental, ortho, um, what, what's that look like over the next five years? Less and less? Uh, you know, so think, you know, listen, a lot of this is from Kennedy. So uh, things take longer to change than we ever give them credit for. Um, 
cassette tapes are still selling vinyls back, you know, <laughs> so, <laughs> that's right. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's actually a whole group now of whatever's after millennials, Gen Z that are into real cameras. They want film and they, you know, they don't want pictures on their digital phones. So they, it takes a long time for things to die that, but uh, so five years, I mean, I, I see it just still slowly churning towards group practice. I don't see it. I still see it. Now listen, Bernie Sanders is the first person to put healthcare into a universal, a single payer system. He's the first one to say oral, oral health. No one else has said that. And so that's, that got my attention. If, if we have a single payer and if it does include oral health, um, it'll happen a hell of a lot quicker. But barring that exclusion, I think you see in 20 years for sure, the only solo practitioners being exceptionally high end. So these are the boutique, the same as a boutique retailer, you know, Burberry and Gucci, those aren't going away, but Macy's and Kohl's and everything mm -hmm. in the middle is. So uh, I think there's always going to be a market, 5%, no more than 10%, where people will pay. Uh, so we're going to have a two-tier healthcare system. The top one to 5% of U.S. consumers will go to the one or two hospitals in their region that don't take federal insurance and that are fee for service. So the Mayo Clinic, I think, will be the one model that doesn't opt into this stuff, and they haven't uh, to date. They might be pressured out of that, but they'll open up something like their Jacksonville Clinic. Yeah. So there'll be uh, no more than 10% of consumers who will go to a dentist who want to bypass the federal insurance program. So if you look at that number, that's 20,000 providers in the United States, you know, do you, we all think we have what it takes to be one of those, but do you really have what it takes to be one of those? So that looks a lot like all the things that, you know, Rolls Royce and the Four Seasons and Disney do. So it's a whole lot of personality driven, celebrity driven marketing. And a lot of people just aren't up for it. Well, that's, that's, that's the point. I, you said it very well. I think it takes, it takes really an inordinate amount of uh, perseverance. It takes a, almost a Herculean effort to maintain that level of, of, of not only service, fulfillment, uh, your branding, your authority, your marketing, uh, all those pieces to, 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 to sustain that. And I, you know, I, I think when people are younger and they have that vision and maybe they got the ability to pull it off, but at some point, uh, I don't know you can pull that off for, 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 for that many years and, and, and maintain uh, any sense of, you know, a, a quote, you know, balanced life, whatever that means to people. Yeah, no, I mean, it, it's, and it's, and it's almost impossible to leverage all the data I get my hands on shows that leveraging healthcare is uh, it, it's always written on the back of a small handful of very exceptional people, even though we're doing the same system in HCA Houston and the same system in HCA Dallas and, the, and, and up in New Hampshire, for some reason, one of them outperforms the other significantly because there are some exceptional individuals in one of those clinics who are driving all the results. So, uh, you know, it's, that's, the, that's the, the bad thing if you're a business person about our industry is that you can't really leverage it. It's still on the back of, I mean, people still want to know their doctor. Five years from now, you're, you're going to be fine. 10 to 15 years from now, if you're young in this game, uh, you better be prepared to really invest in not only your marketing skills and your customer service skills, but your clinical skills. You need to be a super dentist. You got to be placing your own implants because every, listen, corporate dental and hospitals are not going to refer anything out. They're going to keep it all. Yep. So you better either have a good smart group or become a super dentist. Our, our best clients 
are in the right location doing the right marketing. So this is region specific, it's market specific, and they're either super general GPs or they're specialists who have put themselves in that one to 5%. Everyone else is really feeling the pinch. Yeah. Good. I think, I think that's, uh, that's good right there, Dustin. I just appreciate a short bit of your time today. I think you hit some of the key elements there.